take her back tonight. She's one of the young couples, uh, one of the first young couples, Jen and I, when we were starting our family ministry in uh, Indiana, and still friends of ours all these years later, and she's, and her husband, Chuck, are dear, dear folks, and so pray for her, for Jenny, and healing for her. Um, all right, we're going to be in John chapter 3 tonight. I'm glad to have each of you here, and it's been great. I hope you enjoyed the meal. Uh, thank you to Jenny. I know she worked hard. That potato soup always seems, you all seem to like that potato soup. Um, and uh, this year she added cinnamon rolls, you know, hot cinnamon rolls to it. Uh, and thank you to Michelle and Taylor and Lauren and Drew coming and helping us and, uh, you know, stepping. Who's Who's on next week? Uh, do you know who's on? Oh, Pastor Danny. Okay. <laughs> Set the bar high. Yeah, yeah, please, not you. you want to, are you going to cook hamburgers? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Inside baseball joke there. Um, I ate two of them, so I'm still here. No, I thought I ate most all of them. Didn't I eat both of them on? I don't know. Oh, well. Whatever. I didn't know you were watching that close. Um, oh, is that <laughs> We're a close staff here, I'm telling you. Um, that's great. But uh, I'm glad y'all are, those of you who are tuning in tonight through uh, Rumble uh, or whatever uh, platform you're finding us, we're glad you have. Uh, we are studying the life of Messiah through uh, the Jewish perspective, uh, Ariel Ministries, Ariel.org, if you want to uh, check out their ministry, and Dr. Frutenbaum, who is... Uh, uh, really one of the most noted theologians of this era, I would say, wouldn't you say, Pastor? He's right up there, um, and I've been honored to study underneath him a little bit over these years, and helped me a lot, and we're using all four gospel accounts, and going through Dr. Frutenbaum's uh, Life of Messiah, he divides it into a hundred and, I don't know how many, a lot of paragraphs, and we're in paragraph number 34, and we're going to begin that tonight, I don't think we're getting all the way through it. I entitled tonight's Bible study, Why Did Jesus Baptize? Why Did Jesus Baptize? Now remember, in John chapter 3, one of the greatest, if not maybe the epicenter or epic passage of all the Bible is the discussion Jesus has with a religious man named Nicodemus, and we've gone through that, and tonight we're going to move on uh, after that discussion and see what uh, happens next in the life of the Messiah. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 22. The Bible says, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in uh, Ainun near Shalim because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. So John, the Apostle John tells us under the inspiration of uh, the Holy Spirit that Jesus has now moved into an area around Judea. Now he was actually in Judea because Jerusalem's in Judea, but now he's went out from the city and he's moved out into the countryside and we're finding that he takes his disciples who he's gathering this team together and gets them out and they're still doing ministry, but notice the Bible says there in verse 22, he, there he tarried with them. Uh, the Greek tense has the idea of they just kind of hung around, kind of hung out together. Now, this is why philosophically, uh, as a pastor, I think it's really, really important that a local church spend some time hanging out together. And I'll tell you, one of the most difficult things to do is to get your church family to hang out together. Sometimes it's, um, in our culture today, the main obstacle, I, if I were to, you guys know, why is the main obstacle y'all don't like to hang out together? 
Well, because everybody don't like Pastor Danny, that's a good good option. Option one, I see that hand. Don't like Andrew Roy, that's a good. Uh, that's a good. Uh, you know, uh, no, I think we're all so busy. When you say it's probably the, the biggest thing, everybody's. You know, we're all doing our thing out there. It's not so much we don't want to, and that's why, like tonight, if you're watching, we throughout the year we'll do our connection dinners. We'll have them for a few weeks, and we'll stop and bring them back. And um, but you know, whether it's the connection dinner or uh, like uh, was it last Sunday night we had our work night. Um, you know, was it work? No, it was two weeks ago. We goes, uh, you know, we no matter what we're doing, sometimes we'll do events that are seeming like, well, why is that? Like when, when, every year, we try to walk at least once down to our local fire departments, right around the corner, and we take them food and try to honor them and thank them for their, you know, being first responders. And we walk there and come back, and then we have ice cream or something. We, you know, and people say, oh, is that, is that spiritual? Yeah, it is. And I'll tell you. Um, the, one of the problems in a lot of churches is that we just don't tarry together enough. And uh, Jesus understood the necessity that if his disciples were going to be about ministry together, they needed to know each other because there were some diverse characters in that group. Were there not? There were some big differences politically and their personalities and I'm sure there were, in, we know there is, that they, they had conflict within their group. And, you know, it's, so when it happens at the church, don't say, oh, I can't believe that happened in the church. Well, you know, Jesus' disciples had the problem. So, you know, not much has changed, has it? You know, I would say the disciples are a little more guilty because they had perfect leadership. You folks, Pastor Danny and I, you do not, <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Don. You're going, he's not going to know. You do not have perfect leadership. So, um, you know, but, but it's important. Now, there's, there's debate upon uh, the location as we read on in our, our text here that they were, that John was also baptizing in a Ainun, uh, or I known. Uh, many people in the, the, the Bible scholars want to debate where that was. We're not totally sure, but uh, because we know John the Baptist did most of his baptizing down near Jerusalem, but on the east side of the Jordan River, down by the Dead Sea. But we do get a hint. It tells us in verse 23 that he went up to this other city because there was much water there. Now, Dr. Frutenbaum is of the opinion that he thinks that that town, Salim, was north, uh, closer up towards the Sea of Galilee. And as you know, the water flows out of the Sea of Galilee and then down towards the Dead Sea. And in the dry season, the water could get really low down there on the south end. And so he went up a little north uh, because there was much water there. Now, again, this plays into very, as Dr. Frutenbaum would say, from the Jewish perspective, the Jewish mindset when it comes to baptism knows nothing other than immersion when it came to actual, the, the ceremony of baptism. And, and so the, the conclusion is, the logic would be, John Baptist had to move because during the dry season, the water got so low that it was difficult to do baptism by immersion. So he went to a different location where he could do that. And again, that brings some of the, the Jewish perspective. Now, it is interesting that in these two verses, we are told that John the Baptist um, and Jesus were both busy baptizing, right? Well, no, nobody got no takers tonight. They're all, they've had soup, they've eaten before church. That's one of the downsides of the connection dinner. I got to be a little crazier, or, you know, have the guys turn the sound thing up really loud or something so you all stay awake. Um, but there you go. <laughs> Thank you guys back there. Somebody's listening. Uh, the first time ever the sound guys are listening back there. Usually they're back there playing Mario Kart or something. Um, but 
they both were baptizing, right? No. Um, the title tonight was, Why Did Jesus Baptize? He didn't. <laughs> so I kind of had a tricky title tonight. Why did Jesus baptize? The answer question, he didn't. You say, how do you know that? Well, we're going to just for tonight, now we'll get there eventually in time, but in chapter number four, um, notice in verse number one of chapter four of John, it says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John, verse two, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. So Jesus didn't baptize we have no record he baptized anyone. Now, the question comes, and I find these are the kind of questions that somewhat interest me. You know, I'll stop and go, okay, time out. Okay, what's going on here? Uh, there's a couple timeouts tonight in my own personal study. This is one of them. Like, okay, um, why do you think that Jesus did not baptize, but instead trained his disciples to do it? Why do you think that Jesus didn't? Now, the, in fair things, sometimes I set you guys up because I give you a, you know, I set you up to look bad. I'm not doing that to you right now, okay? There's great, there's some debate on this issue on why this is, and I know you'll go home the wiser for this, but um, uh, why do you think? Anybody ideas? Why, why do you think Jesus didn't baptize, do baptism himself? Anybody? Nobody's got any ideas. I always have to have Brock or somebody. Yeah, Lydia, what do you think? Okay, um, we're, I'm going to mention that momentarily. I think you're right that, um, you know, the, my next question that I tarried on, why, did, why was Jesus baptizing at all? And one of the things that people say is he was baptizing with the, like, believer's baptism because he was the Lord, but we have to consider that it was still Mosaic law and Jesus had not died and risen from the grave yet, so there was no reason for him in that theological sense to be baptizing. That's a good one. Some of the guys mentioned that one. It's good. Anybody else? Well, I think maybe he didn't baptize himself. Well, not baptize himself. Do baptizing, okay? <laughs> I have tried to baptize myself up here a time or two because trust me, this, this thing up here, Pastor Danny, can I get a witness? I don't know why. All the years I've been here, you think we could put Brother Mike, you know, Mr. Plummer down there, we could put those little, those little tape, the strip with the little traction slides on it because that thing is slippery, isn't it? You go to baptizing a guy like you, Mike, or, you know, DT, you know, a guy and, you know, a regular sized guy like me, a good looking guy like me, and your feet just come right out from underneath you. Um, but uh, no, why, anybody else, why do you think Jesus didn't, didn't do it? Yeah, Bill? Okay. Okay, um, you guys are doing good tonight. You're both, you and Lydia are both, you know, the next paragraph ahead of me in my notes. But yeah, um, we're going to talk about that. Why was he doing it? Most people, and I, I think the right answer is Jesus was baptizing in the same vein and for the same purpose, uh, the same general purpose as John Baptist. Um, but I think your initial one that he wanted to train um, his disciples because uh, he knew he was going to, you know, ascend to heaven and the ministry was going to be theirs. That's very good. Anybody else? Pastor Danny, I'm Di Ryan, okay. Ah, I think that's a real good one. 
Yeah, um, we know Paul made that and having to say that same thing in Corinthians. You know, hey, you know, I got baptized. I know that happens at our church a lot. People here in the crowd say, well, I was baptized by Pastor Ken and you were only baptized by Pastor Danny, you know. So, and then when he wasn't and then Pastor Cody did it. So you're like, you know, um, way down there, you know. Um, put it this way, if I'm baptizing you, it probably means I don't like you because I'm probably going to drop you and you're going to spend extra time underneath. Um, See that, or if it's a child, and it's because I love the kids, all right? The rest of you I might just hold under, but the kids are great. Um, so that, I think, Ryan, that's an excellent answer. I think one of the reasons Jesus didn't do it is for that very reason, that there'd be, today there'd probably be a whole, there'd probably be a whole denomination, the, the, the baptized disciples of Jesus, you know? And there's apostolic succession, there's baptismal apostolic or apostolic baptismal whatever, right? There'd probably be a whole denomination on it. I think that's a good one. Jesus Baptist Church. There you go. It'd be exactly what it would be, Brother Matt. That's excellent. Anybody else? You guys are coming with some good ones. Yeah, Pastor Danny? You probably are, but we'll let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Pastor Dane and I will tell you in all seriousness, you know, that one of the great joys in ministry is seeing those that you've had the privilege to be a part of their spiritual journey to take those leadership roles. And in the Jewish mindset, someone who was doing baptizing was a significant thing. And so Jesus was granting and delegating to his guys saying, you guys, I'm giving you this authority to do this. Um, and so I, there's, a, there's a lot of good answers in, on that. I, you can pick which one. I think probably all of them have some insight on why. Uh, but as we've already began to discuss, I wrote in my notes, you know, why was, why was Jesus baptizing at all? Uh, as Lydia said, you know, we're technically, we're still under Mosaic law. Arnold calls it a transitional time, but technically still under Mosaic law. Um, so most people think that Jesus was baptizing for the same effect as John Baptist. Now, what was the main reason that John Baptist was baptizing? Now, this one is going to be good. This is a trick question. Um, yeah, Mike? All right. John, uh, Mike says a baptism of repentance, and I would disagree. Um, so... <laughs> Now, Mike, I know Mike, I actually, I don't totally disagree. I agree with Mike. I'm just doing that to pull your chain a little bit. Um, uh, because it was clearly a, a baptism of repentance, and we're going to talk about the area in a moment. Uh, but what was the, why were people getting baptized by John Baptist? Yes, people want to say, oh, it was a demonstration of repentance. That's almost all the American Christian tends to really know. Um, Come on, had y'all been listening? You've been, some of you have been here through the earlier ones. Yes, Miss Weyerbach. Mrs. Mrs. Okay, see, see, I'm sure it's because Pastor Danny's doing that biblical thing and teaching his wife at home, and no, the reality is you're the smarter one. That's the reality. Yes, yeah, you're right. Um, remember, John Baptist was identified, what, as the forerunner what, when you go to the Old Testament, you go to Isaiah, what was the main purpose of the forerunner to do? Was it to tell everybody to repent? That's not what you see in Isaiah or in Malachi. The, the purpose of the forerunner was to point out the Messiah. And those who were coming to John were demonstrating by being baptized by him that they are identifying with his message 
that he was the forerunner and when he pointed out the Messiah, they were going to follow him. And where does Jesus' first disciples come from? John Baptist. And you'll find as you study even into the book of Acts, anyone who was a follower of John Baptist, who was confronted with the truth of who Jesus was, followed him. And, and now you say, well, what, then what's going on with this whole baptism of repentance? Well, I'm going to talk about that here momentarily, but I do find it interesting in, our, in these verses here that at this point in the story, has John Baptist called out who the Messiah is? Yes. Remember, he identifies him at his baptism and says, this is, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He points him out. But does that mean John Baptist said, well, my job's done? <laughs> I know a lot of guys, a lot of people in ministry that they serve the Lord to a certain point. And they go, well, I guess I've, I've done my fair share. You know, one of the most discouraging things to pastors is when people say, well, I've been here a while. Let, let everybody else, let the younger people do it. This one we hear all the time. You know, oh, you know, I've been here a while. Well, maybe there is a legitimate and matter of fact, an expected change in your ministry. Sometimes what God calls you to do in your area of service does change, needs to change. Some of you cannot chase Emory James around the church anymore. Matter of fact, most of us got no chance for that, right? Emory, matter of fact, Jamie, I don't know where Emory James is. He's looking for him now. Um, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> Everything's fine, Jamie. Everything's fine. Jamie's home. The wife's home watching online. Um, I've just caused problems, haven't I? Um, okay on the comments below. By the way, if you're watching this on Rumble, you know, hit the like button or the Rumble button. That really helps our, our uh, or even on YouTube. You know, a lot of you, our, our counts on Rumble are really growing quickly. And uh, so uh, the Lord's given us a brand new audience on Rumble. So if you like it, hit, hit the like button on there. And you can, on Rumble, leave comments, by the way. Some, I think some of you don't know that. You can, you can. Just look down there. This says comments. Hit the thing. At any anyway, rate, I'm, I'm moving on. John, John Baptist is still baptizing. He doesn't say, no, I'm done. He continues the ministry of, of, of yes, preaching against sin, but don't miss out why John Baptist is called the baptism of repentance. Yes, he preaches hard against sin, and that's a, a needed thing today. And the purpose of that is that the people would recognize that they were sinners in need of a Savior, and that that Savior would be the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, who would take away the sin of the world, which is John Baptist's message, is what we saw earlier. And, and so he did preach hard against sin. And when they heard John Baptist, they were responding to that message that John was preaching, and they were still accepting that he was the forerunner, and they were still accepting that he was declaring Jesus of Nazareth was that disciples. And Jesus and his disciples were preaching and baptizing for the same reasons. That's why Jesus also preaches the same message of John the Baptist. Now again, you're going to hear this, and I got friends of mine, and it just, just, it just drives me crazy, where they'll, they'll say, you know, John the Baptist, what did he preach? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying Jesus is now on the scene. He's right here. And early in Jesus' ministry, what is Jesus' message? Repent for the kingdom of God is hand. And now what, what today has happened is the, most of the lordship crowd and you know, the John Pipers and others of the world will take that and say, see, the message of salvation day first has to be primarily repentance. And what's unfortunately happened is that repentance has replaced Jesus as the focal point. Now, 
he preached this message, and why did he do it? Well, remember the context here is these are being preached to the Jewish people. And we are going to see, and if you've never gone through Life of Messiah with us before, from the Jewish perspective, look into the Gospels, your mind's going to go poof. Um, lights are going to come on that you didn't know were there, and that's okay. But what you're going to find is that early in Jesus' ministry, he preached that message, and then we're going to find John Baptist gets taken off the scene, as we're going to see here in a little bit. But after the unpardonable sin, which we'll find here in a little bit, when the unpardonable sin is committed, you'll find that Jesus no longer preaches that message. Now, why is that? Well, because when the unpardonable sin was committed and the Jewish people of that generation rejected his offer of being the Messiah and setting up the kingdom and they said, no, crucify him, the offer of the kingdom was taken off the table. That offer was no longer being extended. And by the way, that's today the, you know, when people quote, well, I'm really getting in the weeds and I've only got seven minutes. I'm not even going to get done that. I'm getting in the weeds, and this isn't even in my notes, but, you know, I got to go there because, you know, people, they don't, you don't get taught this. People, and this is a wonderful verse of Scripture. Please don't go be offended at me that, you know, but Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Um, for with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness and the heart man believes in his salvation. All right? You guys know that verse, right? And people quote that, and it, it, it contains some core elements to how a person does get saved. But I would ask you, when you consider a verse of Scripture and you're going to go out there and you're going to make it your, your whatever your theme verse, do me a favor and do the study of the context in which that passage is given. And you'll find, if you know anything about the book of Romans, that 9, 10, and 11, chapters 9, 10, and 11, are God dealing with who? Whom? The Jewish people. Israel, guess who the only people that need to make a repent in this sense today is the nation of Israel. And guess what God is going to do through the purpose of the tribulation is going to bring them to the point where they repent, change their mind, and they must confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. He is the Messiah, the very thing they are guilty of here in the New Testament. Do you see that? No, I'm blowing some of your brains. That's okay. You think on that. This is why... For example, you only see this message of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those gospels are written uniquely to different, you know, there's a Greek viewpoint and the, the Roman one, but generally to Jewish believers. John doesn't mention the word repentance at all, and again, his audience is more global in, and its purpose is evangelistic. You see, Jesus and John the Baptist, yes, they were preaching against sin and evil, but they were calling for national repentance on behalf of the Jewish people. The Jewish people had corrupted the covenant they entered into with God back in the Old Testament with Moses. And you can go back and read the book of Deuteronomy and read all about it where God says, if you do this and you do right, this is going to happen. If you do wrong, this is going to happen. And I made this covenant with you and they had broken the covenant. And John Baptist and Jesus are preaching hard against sin and how God said, do right, be holy, treat your neighbor right, and you'd violated all these things. And the purpose of it was that they recognized they needed Messiah. Nationally, they needed him, and individually, they needed him because we're all sinners. You see, this offer was and is unique to Israel. 
Now, I only got four minutes, but I'm going to go through verse 24 here real quickly. All right, now I know I, I got in the weeds there, gave you a lot to think about, but it's fascinating study. And um, I, I remember, if I, I'll stay in the weeds a little bit longer. In Deuteronomy, where it talks about, where God talks about the day coming where they will deal with their iniquity. And I always used to bother me that in the Hebrew there, I'm sure Brock can probably give me the reference because he's smarter than me, but the word iniquity is in the singular. I would have thought it should be in the plural. But God is referring to one particular sin, and it is the unpardonable sin where they reject the Son of God and crucify him. And God says, you will, as a country, deal with that. And uh, they will. And um, love the Jewish people and uh, need to be involved. All right, verse 24. Uh, For John was not yet cast into prison. Prison. The the apostle John tells us here that John Baptist is still busy. You know, we're going to find out later that he gets thrown in prison. Why did John Baptist get thrown in prison? I know this ahead, we're going to study this when we get there, but why was he thrown in prison? Anybody remember? Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife for himself, and it was quite a yeah situation. And uh, John Baptist said, you know, there's immorality in the king's house, and, and even though it was the, under Roman rule. And so what got him in trouble was that John Baptist got involved in politics. And I know I make people mad, and I've had people tell me that, give me the thing about it, church, you know, hey, pastor, you know, you should just talk about spiritual things. No, I'm not. Every great man of God, from Jeremiah to Daniel to every single one you can name, Jesus himself, he ended up in front of Pontius Pilate and talked politics. And John Baptist called out the Roman slash Jewish leadership, King Herod, for his wickedness. And it's about time the church of God here in America that we ought to call out wickedness when it's in the White House. And right now we got a baby killer in the White House. Ooh, he said it. I said it. I remember when, you know, remember when they told us when President Clinton was there and he was doing immoral things in the White House and we were just told to sit down and shut up. That's his private life. You know? But boy, let President Trump have somebody stay in one of his Trump hotels and they get a whole commission. Oh, well, okay. Politics. Pastors need to grow a spine and deal with what is. And sometimes it does come with some uncertainty. But unfortunately, some pastors are too down on how long your hair is or what kind of music you know you listen to and all these other things. No, I want to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and I want to see the church make a difference in our community and in our culture. And John Baptist, guy's a hero. Jesus called him the greatest. We know he eventually was arrested and martyred. All right, verse 25, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop here real quick. Um, then there arose a question between some of John's di- disciples and the Jews about purifying, and they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, uh, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come unto him. So both Jesus and John are busy in ministry, and all of a sudden there comes a debate between the Pharisees and some of John Baptist's disciples. I remember there... They're arguing, the Bible tells us here, arose a question about purifying. 
Now, some people think they're talking about the baptizing that John was doing. It could be. But remember, the Pharisees were all up in arms about their ceremonial washings you needed to do before you ate or you did certain things. And it was written in the Mishnah. And Jesus went out of his way to violate those. I love that about the Lord. He said, ah, not doing it. Um, And uh, that's what's happening here. And there's this big argument that goes on. And... Um, John is continuing to baptize, but him and Jesus, they had very, the same theology. They are on the same page. But what's sad is when you get to verse 26 is that, that after there's this debate between the Pharisees or some the Jews, which is the religious leaders, and some of John's disciples, all of a sudden they come to John in verse 26 and they say, you know, Rabbi, you know, remember that guy, you know, Jesus, the one you've told us is the Messiah, the one that you bore witness to? Now, uh, you know, he's the one that came to you and now he's over there baptizing and, and now there's big crowds coming to him. Well, number one, Jesus himself wasn't baptizing. So as normal, they got bad information. But it is interesting. John's disciples had just probably had a really good argument with the, the Jewish leadership about why John was baptizing and they probably said a lot of really good things in their debate their discussion, not an argument, Pastor Danny, but they're probably having a discussion. They needed someone like me there that wants to argue. It probably was an argument. Probably needed someone who likes to argue. But at any rate, they did this wonderful thing and then two seconds later, they're going to John Baptist and they're basically saying, John, doesn't it bother you that Jesus is now getting all the attention? Didn't he come to you? You know, these guys had taken up a reproach that John Baptist doesn't even have. Maybe this is the quote of the night and I've got to stop, but sometimes the distance between fighting for the right thing and ending up fighting over the wrong thing is very short. Sometimes when we get real in our fight and we can be defending a very accurate theology, but sometimes I've seen it and I know with our apologetics ministry, Pastor Danny will give you witness, People can get so passionate about something that all of a sudden they're, start, they're in the flesh and it, it, that, that, that distance is much shorter than we'd like to think it is. Truth was their pride was offended, they were jealous and here these guys are who've been told that Jesus is the Messiah by John Baptist and they're trying to separate Jesus from the forerunner. Now, I don't know about you but I think that's a satanic attack, don't you? Satan has the chutzpah, whatever you want to call it, to try to separate the very forerunner from the Messiah himself. That, that's bold. And he did it over a religious arg- argument. My thought was, if Satan felt like he could get John Baptist's disciples to get separated from Jesus' disciples and try to sow division... What chance do you think he has when he tries to do it to you and me? When he tries to do it in a marriage? You think all these things that come up that lead to dissension just happen? No, there's somebody that's trying to divide. Satan loves to sow division. Well, look what that person's doing. Wasn't that your idea? Didn't you start that ministry? Satan's into division. God is in to multiplication. Multiply grace, multiply peace, multiply love, 
and spread the gospel message. Why was Jesus baptizing? He wasn't. He was telling us and showing us what we ought to do. You know, tonight, I'm going to close real quick. Um, it's Wednesday night, and I was thinking today we were doing our prayer request time. Uh, I remember a Wednesday when I, I was sitting there thinking about, God, please keep us as a church family united. People are going to hurt your feelings. We're going to say dumb things occasionally. But understand that Satan would like nothing more than to see division. We have got to guard that and recognize how precious it is. But I remember several years ago now, um, as many of you know, my good friend Don Hayhurst is he's he's drawing near to his last breath. And you know, Jen and I and our family and many of you in here care for him very deeply. But I remember a few years ago when his wife Joyce, who I also love very dearly that Joyce passed away and um, cared for her greatly too. I know Jen's mom, Mom T, if you're watching, I know you loved her very, very much. But she died. Do you remember what day of the week it was, Jen? It was a Wednesday. You know how I remember? Because she died like that afternoon and we had church that night and I had come, and you know, we were heavy hearts and that, and we were going to pray, and we'd started church, and there was a crowd, I don't know, probably a little smaller than what's in here tonight, but I'll never forget, we, we were 10 minutes into the church service or something, and Don comes in this door. I did not expect him to come to church that night. I figured after this, I didn't know what he'd do, but, you know, he was, I don't know, I, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but in comes Don, and he gets right about right about here, and do you remember what happened next? Does anybody remember that night? Who, do you remember who got up first? Who? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yep, him. Troublemaker of the church. <laughs> you remember that, DT? That's back when you sat on this side over here. That's because we used to have air conditioning on this side. Yes. But I, I, I'm standing up here, getting ready, I'm leading prayer requests. You know, we were in the middle of church, and I see Don come in, and I really didn't know what to do. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I didn't expect to see him there. And before I could do anything, DT gets up out of his seat and goes over to Don, and from one Don to another, gives him a hug. And then, yeah, it was like Don Johnson. So, who? Okay. But I remember then, I think you and others, and then I never said anything. But there's a picture out there, and you can see it, and I'm sure at Don's homegoing service it'll make the, the, the cut, but there's a picture where you can see us all gathered right over here, all gathered around Don, weeping with him and praying with him over the loss of his wife. You know, I thought to my summer that night, thinking, you know, I don't care if we have 500 people or 50 or 25, but if we can love the Lord and we can love each other like that, That's what God wants. And I promise you, there are hurting people all around us that just want somebody to care. But Satan, he has his way. You say, whoa, that person in the church, it doesn't matter if I hold a grudge against another person in the church. Yeah, it does. It does. Because things like what happened that night, When they happen like that, 
It's just a very, very special night. So it wouldn't surprise me if Brother Don chooses to, and the Lord brings him home on a Wednesday. I don't know. But let's just be about loving one another. Amen? Lord, thank you for this time. I know I went eight minutes over tonight, Lord, but thank you for the tenderness of your folks. My heart's been burdened this whole week over this study tonight, and I know I've given a lot of theology and also, uh, God, the, the practicality of um, knowledge puffeth up, but Lord, help us to love one another as you commanded us to do. And um, Lord, I pray that you'd be with Brother Don tonight, and um, I'd be lying to say there's a part of me that's a little jealous because... His race is nearing its end, and um, Lord, I pray that as you bring him into glory, that uh, he just celebrates in your presence. Help us to live our lives tonight with a reminder in the, that life is a vapor, and uh, Lord, help us to be a people of forgiveness, and uh, help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. We will see you. I don't know anything going on this weekend, Pastor Danny. Any announcements, or are we just pretty quiet this weekend? Your mind's shot, huh? Um, So uh, we'll see you all, Lord willing, Sunday morning. And if we don't see you here, we'll see you there in the air. Uh, You know, glory to the Lord.